Juz number 10, lesson number 100, Surah Al-Anfal, ayah number 41 to 58. And you all know, you should know this, Annama, that indeed whatever, that which, غنمتم, you obtained as booty, min shay'in from anything, fa'anna, then that indeed, lillahi for Allah, khumusahu, it's one-fifth, walil rasul, and also for the messenger. At the beginning of the surah, surah al-anfal, we learned about the dispute that occurred between the believers concerning the war booty. Some demanded that they should receive a greater share of the booty because they believed that their efforts in the battle paid off. Their efforts were the main reason for the victory of the believers that day. And as a result, they demanded a greater share of the booty. And this is typical that whenever there is wealth brought in and people get to know that they have a share in that, everyone's eyes, they fall on what they believe is more precious and valuable. And usually it is at these times when fights break amongst people. We see that family members, brothers and sisters, what happens with them? They're living perfectly fine, happily, but when the parents' property is being distributed amongst the children, then that is when the brother is fighting against the sister and the sister is upset with her other sister. So these disputes are very natural. So don't think that the Sahaba were you know, greedy people. No, don't think like that. It was something very normal, very natural. And we see that immediately the attention of the believers was directed to something else, something more important, which was lessons to be learned from the battle. That reflect on what happened, reflect on how you got here. Don't just be concerned about money now. Think about all those factors that brought you to this point. What made you victorious? How were you successful today? It was because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help. And after 40 verses we see, then the ruling concerning the war booty is given. It's like imagine somebody is asking you about something and you delay talking about it. Why? Because you want them to understand what is more important. It's like the two men in the prison when they went to Yusuf asking him about the interpretations of their dreams. Did he tell them the interpretation immediately? No. First he gave them da'wah. And then he told them about the interpretation. Why? Because they were eagerly waiting to hear the interpretation. So he took advantage of that time. They were alert. They wanted to listen. They were focused. So he did da'wah to them. Likewise over here, the believers are anxiously waiting. Okay, what do I get? What do I get? What do I get? And as they're listening to each statement very carefully, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling them what is more important for their faith, for their actions for their sincerity, for their commitment. And then finally, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the ruling concerning the war booty. And what is mentioned? That know that indeed whatever you obtain as booty, ghanimtum from ghanima, ghain, noon, meem. And ghanima is basically used for booty. We learned the word anfal earlier. It's the same thing. Anfal, ghanima, booty is what is acquired from the enemy after defeating them, their property, their money, or the arms that they have brought to the battlefield, whatever you get hold of their property. And this was a custom in Arabia at the time. And obviously when you defeat someone, they bring along with them. I mean, when you capture them, you also capture their valuables. So that falls in the hands of who? 
of the victors. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a ruling concerning that, that, أَنَّمَا غَنِمْتُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ First notice the statement, min shay'in, anything at all. This shows that every part of the war booty, big or small, whether it is a big sword or a small needle, whether it is a piece of cloth or a shoe, anything at all, it is part of the booty. Which means that whatever a person finds at the battlefield, what is he supposed to do? Hide it in his pocket? Take it home secretly? No. What is he required to do? Hand it over to the leader. Whatever it may be. Even if you think that it is very insignificant, it has to be handed over to the leader. Because remember that the booty becomes part of the public treasury. And the public treasury, the public money, doesn't belong to any one individual. Who has a share in it? Every person from the community. Public money belongs to who? The public, not the person who works there. And if he has a share in it, it's because it is assigned to him by law. It doesn't mean that he can go and take it himself. This is why we learn that the slightest amount of khiyana concerning war booty is not tolerated at all. In the Quran we learn, وَمَا كَانَ لِنَبِيِّنْ أَنْ يَغُلْ It is not conceivable that a prophet of Allah would be treacherous, would do khiyana in the matter of the booty. That he would take something for himself without you know, informing other people or without right. It's not his share but he still takes it. It is not conceivable that a prophet of Allah would ever do this. وَمَنْ يَغْلُلْ يَأْتِ بِمَا غَلَّ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ And whoever commits this kind of cheating, this kind of treachery, this kind of deceit, then he will have to bring it on the day of judgment. This is why we learned that once one of the battles, a man was killed from the Muslims. He was killed. A Muslim man. And the people immediately started saying concerning him, Shaheed, Shaheed. The Prophet ﷺ said, No, he is not a Shaheed. I have seen him in the fire because of one robe that he stole from the booty. One shawl he stole from the booty and his martyrdom is not worth anything. Where is he now? Hellfire. We learned that when a person dies in the way of Allah, before his blood even drops to the ground, what happens? His sins are forgiven. But this is a sin that is not forgiven. Why? Because this is a sin not against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. This is a sin against who? The entire community. Because you had no right over that shawl. This belonged to somebody else and you took it without right. And this shows to us that when it comes to the wealth that belongs to a Muslim organization, that belongs to the community, then remember that no person can take it without right. No person can think they can take it. It's not a big deal. It is a very, very big deal. Stealing from somebody's house is a sin. But stealing from the wealth of a Muslim organization, whether it is a state or it is a masjid, or it is a small group of Muslims gathering together to learn about Islam and they have a fund, stealing from any kind of Muslim organization, remember, it is a very serious crime. It is one of those crimes that can take a person straight to hellfire, that can cancel out many of his good deeds. This is why we have to be extremely careful that if we ever go to a masjid, remember that that masjid belongs to who? 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have to respect the walls, we have to respect the furniture, we have to respect the slippers of the washrooms, we have to respect the windows and the doors and the paint on the walls, and everything, everything. Because remember, that if we destroy anything, like for example, if we chip a wall, remember that somebody has to pay for it in order to fix it. Who's gonna pay for it? You're gonna pay for it? Where's that money gonna come from? From the fund, right? And who? Whose fund is that? Is it your money? No, it belongs to the entire community. So this is why chipping the wall of the masjid, ruining the carpet of the masjid, ruining the furniture of the masjid, it's not like ruining your own furniture. It's not like destroying somebody else's property. It's like destroying the property of the entire community. And the wealth that belongs to Allah Azza wa Jal. This is why it is more sacred. And we have to be even more careful. And this is why if ever there is an accident, something like this happens, that accidentally, you know, for example, you were having some water or some coffee and it falls on the ground and ruins the carpet, then don't just say, oh, somebody will clean it. No. Take this matter very seriously. Make sure you give some sadaqah you make up for it, you go and speak to the organizers, and find out how you can make up for it. Because if we don't make up for it now, on the Day of Judgment, we will be held responsible. On the Day of Judgment, we will be held responsible. Think about it, if somebody comes to your house, and ruins your carpet, brand new carpet like that, what would you do? You'd just smile and say, yeah, it's okay. No way, you wouldn't tolerate that. Because you know how hard you worked, to make all that money, how much you had to sacrifice, your children had to sacrifice, so that your husband could go to work, and make all that money, buy that carpet, have it installed, and somebody just comes and ruins it? It hurts. We don't like it for our property. How can we like it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's property? How can we like it for a masjid, where Allah's guests have to come and perform prayer? If we don't want somebody to ruin our guest room, where we have to entertain our guests, how can we like that the best guest room ever, which is the masjid, we ruin that and we don't mind? How can we be okay with that? How can we have these double standards? How can we like something else for ourselves and something else for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? This is not iman. This is a very low level of iman. Because perfection of iman demands what? What does it demand from a believer? That you like for others what you like for yourself. Right? You treat others the way you want to be treated. So remember, when you go to a masjid, when you go to any Muslim organization, it is not the property of one individual. It is whose mal? It is the mal, the wealth of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the wealth of the community. So we have to respect it and be careful with it more than we are careful with our own belongings. More than we are careful with our own property. So over here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّمَا غَنِمْتُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ Anything that you acquire as booty, first step, hand it over. Hand it over because it's not yours yet. It's not yours yet. You have to deposit it. And once it is deposited, then the entire booty is to be divided up. Into how many parts? Into five equal parts. 
five equal parts. Alright? And four of those parts are to be divided amongst two those people who participated in that battle. Which battle? The battle that brought that victory, that brought this booty. So you understand? Four parts are to be divided amongst two the participants of that battle. The remaining one part, the one-fifth, where does that go? That is mentioned in the ayah. The one-fifth, it belongs to who? فَأَنَّ لِلَّهِ خُمُسَهُ It's one-fifth belongs to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So four parts go to the soldiers. One part, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides how it is to be distributed. How is that to be distributed? Now that one-fifth is going to be divided into five parts. So you understand? That one-fifth is going to be divided further into five parts. Okay? And who are those five parts going to be given? To those that are mentioned over here. First of all, لِلَّهِ وَلِلْرَسُولِ They belong to who? Allah and the Messenger. A share, one-fifth for who? Allah and His Messenger. What does this mean? This has been understood in a number of ways. And we see that the variety of different opinions only shows to us the broad category that this is, that how it can be spent in a number of ways. When the Prophet ﷺ was alive, it was to be given to who? Him. That was his share. Because he was the leader. And this was a custom. This was a custom in Arabia that the leader, the commander, he also has a share because obviously he's not just sitting there. He's leading the people. He's not sitting at home while the people are fighting. No. The Prophet ﷺ was amongst them. Alright? And besides, if you think about it, the Prophet ﷺ full time, what was he doing? Going on trade caravans? Was he doing that? Did he have a business? He had that before he became a prophet. But once prophethood became a part of his life, then what happened? He had to spend all of his time on that. And besides being the leader, there were so many people who depended on him. And this is why money had to be given to him because that money would also go on who? On the Muslim community. You know, once the Prophet ﷺ, he said to the companions that whoever has food for two people, then he should take three from the Ahlul Sufa, from the people of the masjid. Because these are people who don't have homes. So you take them with you and feed them in your house with yourself. So whoever has food for two extra people, he should take three Ashabu Sufa. Whoever has food for four people, he should take five or six. So one night, the Prophet ﷺ, you know how many people he brought with him? Home? He himself brought 10 people home with him. Have you ever hosted 10 people in your house? Men? Have you? Have you ever prepared food for 10 men in your house? Have you ever gone grocery shopping to have uh, you know, a dinner party for men in your house? 10 men? Is that a little bit of food? Is that a little bit of money? It's quite a lot. Right? So the Prophet ﷺ, when he received money from the booty, remember that it was being spent on who anyway? It was going to be spent on the Muslims. Because the Prophet ﷺ was the most generous of people. He was the most generous of people. And if people needed help, who would they go to? Muhammad ﷺ, because they knew about his generosity. So this is why one-fifth is given to who? The Prophet ﷺ. 
After the Prophet ﷺ passed away, the ulama said that it had to be given to who? The Khalifa. The leader who would be leading the Muslims after the death of the Prophet ﷺ. And others said that no, this share is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah's share and the share of the Prophet ﷺ is basically the same. And it has to be spent on good, noble, charitable causes. And also, for example, the reconstruction of the Kaaba, the maintenance of the Kaaba because the Kaaba is the house of Allah or masjid. So, فَأَنَّ لِلَّهِ خُمُسَهُ وَلِلرَّسُولِ so one-fifth of that is to be given to who? The Prophet ﷺ. The second share is to be given to who? Wali dil qurba. And for the near relatives, the close relatives. Whose relatives? Your relatives. My relatives. No. The relatives of the Prophet ﷺ. You might say, why? Because the relatives of the Prophet ﷺ, who were they? Banu Hashim, the Quraysh. And what was forbidden for them? What were they not allowed to receive? Sadaqa, charity. Now if there is a Muslim in an Islamic state who is needy, who is needy, whether it is that they have loans to pay off or their basic necessities have to be uh, provided for, if they are needy, where would they get that money from? From the public treasury. But which section of it? The sadaqa, the charity. Okay? Now, if the family of the Prophet ﷺ, his relatives, the Banu Hashim, if they were needy, could they receive from that charity? Could they receive from zakat? No. Zakat and sadaqat, they fulfill the needs of the masakin and the fuqara. But if those masakin and fuqara happen to be from the family of the Prophet ﷺ, remember, they cannot have any share of that zakat and sadaqa. So, they have to be given a share from somewhere. So their share comes from where? The war booty. You might wonder, what's the reason? What's the hikmah behind this? Why was the family of the Prophet ﷺ not to be given a share from charity? There are many reasons, many wisdoms. But what makes most sense to me is that, imagine if they could receive sadaqah. Hmm? Then what would happen? If anybody wanted to give sadaqah, who would they give it to? The family of the Prophet ﷺ. And the other needy people, they wouldn't be given anything. Right? Because think about it, if anyone is Sayyid today, how much pride they take in that. Right? People think shaking hands with the Sayyid was so great. I remember somebody once telling me that so-and-so person, he's a Sayyid and he's directly related to the Prophet ﷺ. He's coming in town and I'm going to go shake their hand. I'm like, What? Like, yeah, I'm going to go shake their hands. So a whole group of people went and they were literally fighting to shake their hands with them. So Allahu A'lam, whether he was really a relative of the Prophet ﷺ or not, because many people lie about it. Okay. However, we see this in the Muslims that if someone is from the family of the Prophet ﷺ, a lot of respect is shown. And that is good. That is very good that you show respect to the family of the Prophet ﷺ. But if they could receive charity, believe me, Nobody would be given charity. So this is, we see, one of the wisdom behind not giving them charity. There are other reasons as well. So we see that if they are in need, their share comes from where? The war booty. Walid al-Qurba. So two shares so far. The third share is for who? Waliyatama. And the orphans. Who are the orphans? Orphan children. Orphan children. Because if you think about it, 
Someone went to battle, passed away, and they have left behind children at home. They lose their father. They don't even have a share in the booty. Is that fair? No. So the orphans will be given a share from the booty. Not just the orphans who have become orphans because their father has died in the battle, but even otherwise. So orphans, then, masakin and the needy. وَابْنِ sabil and the travelers. Because a traveler, he may be wealthy and perfectly fine at home, but while he's traveling, he may have some need because of which he needs money. So who will support him there? The public treasury. From which section? The booty. Now, considering these five shares, which ones? First, for Allah and His Messenger. Second, for the relatives of the Prophet ﷺ. Third, for the orphans. Fourth, for the needy. And fifth, for the travelers. What does this show to you? What comes to your mind? The importance on spending on the orphans, on the needy, and the travelers. The share of Allah and His Messenger, the share of the relatives, understandable, very logical. But the share of the needy, the orphans, the travelers, remember, they also have a share from zakat and sadaqat. But even a section of the booty is allotted to who? These needy people. And this shows to us how important it is to spend on these individuals. But we see that these days, such people are completely neglected. In fact, we don't even know if there's an orphan. Really. We don't even know who an orphan is. And if there is an orphan in the community, people think that, oh, their relatives should support them. It's not just the responsibility of the relatives to support their orphan children. It's also the responsibility of the entire community to support them. Imagine a share of the booty is allotted to the orphans and the needy and the travelers. Allah mentions, in kuntum, if you all, amantum billah, you all believed in Allah. If you truly believe in Allah, وَمَا أَنزَلْنَا عَلَىٰ عَبْدِنَا And that which we sent down on our servant, meaning if you truly believe in that which we sent down on our servant, when? يَوْمَ الْفُرْقَانِ On the day of the criterion. What is the day of the criterion? يَوْمَ The day when إِلْتَقَ الْجَمْعَانِ The two groups met. إِلْتَقَ From لَقِيَ لَامْ قَافِيَ Laqiyah means to meet. Iltaqa, they two met. Who two met? Al-Jam'an. Jam'an, dual of Jam'r. The two groups met. So what is this day of criterion when the two groups met? What day is this? The day of the battle of Badr. Why is the battle of Badr called Yawmul Furqan? The day of the criterion. Because it is this battle which clearly distinguished between truth and falsehood. Those who were upon the haq and those who were upon the batil. The victory that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to the Muslims despite their few numbers and the horrible defeat that the mushrikeen suffered and all of their great leaders killed in the battle amongst them Abu Jahl. And soon after the battle of Badr, it is said that a week after the battle of Badr, Abu Lahab passed away. Abu Lahab himself did not go to the battle. He hired people and sent them. He himself did not go. But it is said that he was so shocked by the defeat of the mushrikeen that within a week he passed away. He died. He was also old by then, but despite that, that shock, that grief caused him to die a very terrible death. So anyway, 
we see that the battle of Badr clearly distinguished between truth and falsehood. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if you truly believe in Allah, and if you truly believe in that which Allah sent to His Messenger, the day when the two armies met, the day of the criterion, then you must observe the rulings concerning the booty that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving you. The question is, what is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down on the Prophet, or sent down on the day of the battle of Badr? His help, His angels, right? The Sakina, the Nasr, the Fath. All of this came from Allah. So in other words, what is being mentioned is, if you believe in Allah, and if you believe that this victory was from Allah, then you better observe this. Because many times it happens that we want something, terribly want it. And what do we do? We make dua, we beg Allah, and then once we have it, then we do whatever we want to. We forget about the rules that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given. We just follow our desires. For example, somebody desperately wants to get married. They're hunting for a spouse. And then what happens? After many du'as, many istikharas, many meetings, eventually what happens? They find someone special and they think that this is the right person. And then they decide to get married. And they're getting married. Preparations are being made. But as the preparations are being made for the wedding day, And when people think about the music and about the free mixing and they think about all this israf, what do they say? Come on, it's only once. It's okay. I'm the bride that day. No big deal. I want to make my family happy. It's okay. Think about it. You found that person. You're getting married today because of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah gave you this blessed day, this happy day. He allowed for this union to take place. And who are you forgetting today? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That you're wondering if you can exempt yourself from performing prayer. Because your makeup costs $250. Or your makeup costs $500 or $1,000. And Allahu a'lam how much. And you don't want to wash it off just to do wudu, just to pray salah. Unfortunately, this is very common amongst Muslims. And this is very, very sad. Allah gave you this blessing and today you're forgetting Him? So what do we learn from this ayah? That when Allah has given you victory, when Allah has granted you success, then if you truly believe in Allah, and if you truly believe that you have this today because of His help, then you better follow the rules that Allah is giving you. Then you don't say, it's only one day. You don't say that you just want to have fun. Don't forget Allah when you're happy. Because many times we remember Allah when we're sad, when we're in difficulty. And the moment everything's good and happy, we forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ And Allah is over everything competent. He is capable. Meaning, it's because of His qudra that you were victorious. And if you forget Him today, and you forget His rulings today, you think He cannot change your situation in the future? Of course he can. You think every two individuals who meet, who have an amazing wedding, you think they'll stay together forever? No. We've all come across situations where two people get married and their wedding party was the best wedding party you've ever gone to. But then what do you find out? Within a year, within three years, خلاص, finished. So don't forget Allah when you're happy. Don't forget Allah when Allah makes you successful, when Allah makes you see a good day. Because remember, Allah, because of His qudra, you came here today, you got here today, and remember that your situation can always change in the future if you turn your back to Allah.
So don't just use Allah to get to victory, to become successful, and then forget Him. Because this is something that Allah mentions in the Qur'an, that when we put a person in difficulty, then He calls upon us. Sitting and lying down, He calls upon us. And as soon as that difficulty is removed, He turns away. He turns away as if He never called upon us. As if He never made dua. So remember, وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ Now you see, there's only one ayah mentioned about the war booty. Only one ayah. Imagine. The surah is called Al-Anfal. The war booty. The surah began with the mention of the booty. And then no mention at all. And then finally, after 40 verses, how many verses? One ayah that tells you about the ruling of the booty. What does it show? That the booty is really not your main focus. Hmm? It should really not be the main reason why you're doing something for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is more important to Allah is what? Your sincerity and your dedication. The lessons that you can learn from this experience. Money? Yeah, it comes and it goes. Yeah, you use it and it finishes. It's not that important. The matter is serious. However, you shouldn't be preoccupied with it, that you forget about everything else. Because unfortunately, when money comes before us, then we forget everything else. When we start enjoying ourselves, then we forget everything. Let's listen to the recitation.